It is Monday night, January 16th. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to everybody out there. Another episode of the Tan and J-Man Show coming at you. Episode 322 live on the IC Sports Network, on the IC Sports Network Twitter page, and the Tan and J-Man Show Facebook page. And also, the audio will be up wherever you get your podcasts at. The J-Man as all of you watching can see, is not joining me tonight. He is instead watching his Illinois fighting the line. I take on the Minnesota Golden Gophers right now. That game's in progress. And he's probably still getting over the Dolphins' heartbreaking loss to the Buffalo Bills yesterday in Super Wild Card Weekend. So filling in for the J-Man, like he does often, is my father, Eric Lee. Dad, how you doing? Got to be doing pretty good that the Boilers uh, got a big win for us. I'm doing better now than I was about an hour ago. So, yep, yes. doing well. Yes, got to love uh, Big Ten basketball tight games. They make your hair go gray and your blood pressure skyrocket. At least they do in my in my case. This was brown before the game started. So there, uh, there's a reason I'm wearing a hat tonight. <laughs> but uh, we'll get we'll get into that uh, in, in more detail here in just a bit. But to start off the program, do you have a birdie or bogey? question ready for me because it is my turn to answer one and josh and i are tied at one over par imagine that i think it's a good one. Oh boy as you well know trevor lawrence won a playoff game yesterday throwing or this weekend, weekend. Mm-hmm. throwing four interceptions that's only happened two other times since the 1970 merger one was joe ferguson who you probably don't even know back in nope. 1981 the other guy you you would be familiar with who was the other quarterback to win a playoff game throwing four interceptions? Wow, that's a really tough question because I can think of a lot of guys who've thrown three, but I don't know if they've thrown four. So. One through four? Uh, do I have to give you any type of uh, No, don't give me any hints. All no. right. Nope. Nope, it's either. And I like how you did it because I'm either going to get it right for a birdie or wrong for a bogey. It's no two or three answer part question. There's going to be no pars. So... Uh, hopefully I can get a birdie here and get back to even par because uh, we're already off to a bad start. Yeah, the way you put it, it could be a double birdie. Uh, I, knew that one. I knew that. I knew something like that was coming. That's why I was trying to dance around it. But the birdie or bogey segment is brought to you by Like It Will Be Every Week in 2023, the Arlington Public House. Arlington Public House is open for the uh, first day, first night, I should say, tonight of 2023. Um, and, and they'll be open Monday through Saturdays for dinner. And uh, if you might be wondering what type of food you can get at the Arlington Pub- Public House, well, it's a uh, upscale cuisine and cocktails with a cas- casual atmosphere in Rochester, Indiana. And for instance, tonight's special is a buffalo chicken ranch sandwich. It's deep fried chicken with lettuce, tomato, white American cheese, buffalo sauce, dill ranch, served with fries only for $15. And that's just a sample of what you can get there. And Dad, I know you can speak to it as well. You can get steaks there. You can get seafood. Yeah, great, so kind of, great pork chops. If if you like pork chops, it's thick and big and big and thick pork chops. Kind of like I said last week, it's a big city food in the small town of Rochester, Indiana. So yep, gotta love it. So if you're in the northern Indiana area. And around Rochester, go check out Arlington Public House. You will not be disappointed. And we thank them for the support of the podcast. Well, uh, how about we uh, get started with some on this day? Let's let's get educated real quick before right. we get into some other stuff. Um, let's see here. I got to bring it up. I haven't even looked at it yet. So on this day, sporting events that have happened on January 16th. Uh, 
a lot of cricket cricket events. Um, on this day, 1962, the 12th NBA All-Star Game was held in, at the St. Louis Arena in St. Louis, Missouri. The West beat the East 150 to 130. That's a lot of points without the three-point line. Yeah, that's right up two months before uh, Old Wilt scored 100 in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, game that uh, instead of being in Philly, they put it in Hershey, Pennsylvania. So. Any guess who the All-Star Game MVP was for that one? Dolph Shays. Don't know who that is, but good guess, I'm going to say. It was Bob Pettit of the St. Louis Hawks. He had an all-star record of 27 rebounds. He was the uh, first player to ever score 20,000 points in the NBA. See, that's why we have you on here. Mm-hmm. On this day, 1966, Chicago Blackhawks right wing Bobby Hall scored four goals, his 17th career hat trick, and a 6-5 to loss to the New York Rangers. He became the first player in team history to score 300 goals. The Jet. Also on this day, 1966, Chicago sports-related, Chicago was granted an NBA franchise to be called the Bulls, becoming the third NBA franchise in the city after the Chicago Stags were um, there from 1946 to 1950 and the Chicago Packers slash Zephyrs, now Washington Wizards. Okay. I did not know that. Um, well, the Washington Wizards, then or before that, were the Baltimore Bullets. Bullets, Bullets yes. Yeah, then became the Washington Bullets, and then the Washington Wizards. On this day in 1972, who won Super Bowl six? Super Bowl six, uh, see, four or five. That would have been Dallas 24, Miami three. You are correct. MVP? Uh, for Dallas, it would have been, uh, I think, Calvin Hill. Roger Stallback. Oh, was it? Yeah. On this day, 1988, the NFL announced the St. Louis Cardinals would be moving to Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, on this day in 2019, Golden State guard, Golden State Warrior guard Stephen Curry became the first player in NBA history to hit eight plus three point field goals in three consecutive games. He went nine of 17 threes in the Warriors' 147 150 win, 147 140 win over the New Orleans Hornets. Pelicans, excuse me, it just says New Orleans, that'd be Pelicans. Team, the teams combined for an NBA record 43 three-pointers. Wow. Yes. Yeah. That is a lot. Um, let's see here. Also on this day in 2019, Houston guard James Harden became the first player to score 55-plus points in back-to-back NBA games since Will Chamberlain in 1962. He scored 58 and 145 to 142 OT loss to Brooklyn. 18 games straight James Harden had with 30-plus points going that season. That's incredible. He can score. He can score the ball. Um, Doesn't like to pass. Yeah, I was thinking Luka might have approached that. I I think he got up to 17 or 18 games this year, 30 or more in a row. And that is going to do it for the On This Day segment, which is brought to you by Mooney Woodcrafts. Mooney Woodcrafts is a veteran-owned and operated woodcraft shop based out of North Carolina with Indiana grassroots. They provide 100%, 100% hand-cut custom designs to fit your needs, and their pieces are a great addition to any home, office, or man cave. To see some of their recently completed projects, just visit them at Mooney Woodcrafts on Instagram and on Facebook. And let them know the Tan and J-Man Show sent you for 15% off your order. We got that promo going on throughout the year of 2023. So if you're interested in getting a sign or growth chart, something like that made, 
let Thad know. And you can email him for orders right through the uh, Instagram or Facebook page. All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Big Ten hoops, NFL playoffs, Super Wildcard weekend. But let's start off with Big Ten hoops since we had one game coming to completion today. That was Purdue's 64-63 win up in East Lansing against the Michigan State Spartans. And we have one in progress, the Illinois Fighting Line. Last time I knew we're leading the Minnesota Golden Gophers up in Minneapolis. But, uh, yeah, Dad, whenever Purdue and uh, Michigan State get together, especially in the Breslin Center up at East Lansing, you got to think it's going to come down to the final shot. Yeah, I think they were showing what this was like the fourth time in the last six or seven years. I know Bridges hit one on us and Trevion hit one on them. And then the Walker kid hit one on us last year. I think it was the only bucket of the game. Today, uh, he Can't had missed today. Yeah, he was amazing. So, uh, yeah, huge win. Uh, Purdue benefited. Uh, Malik Hall, probably their third best player, maybe fourth. I would say the two guards and Hauser, but a key player for him was out. Sure. He may be out for a while, but uh, sure, sounds like he is going to be out for a while. Yeah, that's a that's a tough place to win. I think Michigan State brought it. I'll be interested to see how well they do next game because I think you put that much energy into one game and you lose it. It's um, it's monumental. So we'll see. But uh, great win for Purdue. I think um, they've had uh, four games out of their seven Big Ten games that have come down to the last two seconds. <laughs> and fortunately, we're three and one in those games. So, yeah, they're finding ways to pull it out. Um, I thought the Big Ten Network put it pretty good after the game. You know, some people might be looking at Purdue's record and winning these close games saying, well, they're not blowing people out. Mm-hmm. But usually don't blow people out in March come, you know, conference tournament play or um, March Madness. So it's usually tight games. So they're already proven in the middle of January with a pretty young team. I mean, a bunch of freshmen that are key contributors to this team that they can pull these games out, not only at home, but on the road. Right. That's the impressive thing. Nebraska, Ohio State, and now this one were all games that we could easily have lost. Um, couple big plays at the end. I know the 85% foul shooter for Michigan State missed two when they had a chance to go up three, and then they made a stupid foul with 30-some seconds to go, and Fletcher Lawyer got two. Mm-hmm. But they came down hit a big hoop, and then we went into Big Zach, who had 32 points today, shot exactly half the team shots. 26 of the 52 were attempted by Purdue today were shot by Zach. So, um, you know, we, we had a few problems exposed. Um, you love to have Ethan Morton out on the floor. He has wide open on threes and could not hit any of them. Uh, so they end up playing Brandon Newman quite a bit in the uh, late in the game. And I actually thought he played a pretty good game. He only shot one time, but he only had one turnover. And he yep. did a good job on defense and passing. But, uh, yeah, it's just always good. You know, if there are recruits watching and you're a guard, you probably think, I don't know if I want to go to Purdue. But it's pretty rare that they go to Zach that much. It's just the way Michigan State was guarding us. Um they kind of forced it, uh, or you know, they they uh, they kind of played him one on one most of the time. And Zach did not shoot a great field goal percentage. He was thirteen for twenty six. You don't see Zach miss thirteen shots very often, but uh, he did today. I was glad you brought that up. How Michigan State was guarding Purdue because Izzo did that last year. He did. Savion and Zach Eady got whatever they wanted up at East Lansing, but 
they got the last laugh and hitting a buzzer beater. Yeah, they and, did that uh, with Isaac Haas a few years back. They did, and that's that's his philosophy. Mm-hmm. And more times than not, it at least keeps the game close. It yeah. seems like. What are you surprised other teams don't adopt that strategy? Well, you know, Nebraska had just the opposite strategy. They they doubled and tripped him, triple teamed him both games we played against Nebraska, and that actually worked pretty well. Um, I think it's pick your poison. Yeah. You know, Purdue didn't get suckered into shooting too many threes today. They were four for 10, which is, you know, 40% from three is great. Um, but, uh, you know, in Purdue's defensive strategy on Michigan State was try to force them into those 15-foot pull-ups, and they were hitting them. Right. At least they were in the second half. First half, when it was 24 to 11, I was already lamenting that we probably should have been up 34 yeah. to 11. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Michigan State did not look good early on. They did not. The uh, but, man, there was a stretch in the second half for about seven or eight minutes where neither team could miss. And uh, it turned a really probably un- almost unwatchable game unless you're a Purdue-Michigan State fan into yeah. uh, a heck of a finish. And um Lucky to get out of there. Really, college basketball fans that tuned in to a doubleheader on Fox, they got two pretty good ball games. Right. Georgetown and Villanova, you're thinking, why are these two teams on Fox? And I mean, oh, Georgetown. Oh, yeah. Patrick Ewing, this is why you don't hire legends. It doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. Yeah, they can't keep him. No, they're they're awful. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, uh, and then Purdue and Michigan State goes down to the wire. And really, I was really impressed twice. Michigan State gets up four late in the game. And then the Fort Wayne boys, Caleb first, mm-hmm. Fletcher lawyer, make huge plays. Caleb hits yeah. a three, Fletcher makes an and one, which he had ice in his veins today, particularly in the second half. He made all his free throws. He was aggressive getting to the line. And I really think the Izzone pumped him up by chanting Foster's better. Yeah. In, in reference to his brother, who they pretty much said, you're not good enough to play here. Yeah. They ran Foster off yeah. a couple of years back. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Fletcher, Fletcher, uh, uh, he kind of reminds me of a guy you would hate on Duke. Yeah. Just really solid. You know, first reminds me of a guy you'd hate on Michigan State. Just yeah. Just gets rebounds. Yeah. Can do a little bit of everything. Uh, and those two kids coming to Purdue, in actuality, Michigan State's probably about as close to Fort Wayne as mm-hmm. Purdue is. And they, were, they, they were recruited by – at least Caleb first was recruited by Michigan State. Yeah. I assume Fletcher Lawyer was, but I could be mistaken. He he came down to Purdue or Michigan. I think the whole yeah. Michigan State drove him nuts with how his brother. Brother, that makes sense. But uh, it's it, it, it's it's interesting because Purdue, you know, those guys stepped up. Purdue had some other guys not play so well. You talked about Morton, not so good offensively. Mm-hmm. Trey Kaufman Ren continues to struggle. Uh, poor guy just cannot find his confidence right now. Uh, David Jenkins didn't do a whole lot out there. I thought Brandon Newman actually played really good defensively. He wasn't, did. wasn't too good on offense. And Mason Gillis, I wish he could have got more of a run because I felt like he did good things, but that's what happens when you got so many good players at the four position. Right. And Br- Braden Smith did not have one of his better games. He wasn't awful, but – Still had six assists. Yeah, he did make a couple lazy turnovers. Yeah. One of them was just an itty-bitty bounce pass over, and he doesn't usually do that. Right, right. when it was, what, 43 to 42 or something. Right. Um. But he missed two shots within three feet. We're, I was talking to you just before we got on air here. That Three that, feet might be kind. Yeah. <laughs> um, Zach missed a – I don't know why he didn't dunk it. Fletcher missed one. Braden missed a, a driving one. And then we stole the ball and passed to him. He was unguarded under the uh, rim and missed it. 
Um, yeah. He thought this would all come back to haunt him. And, and almost- well, there was even one in the first half where Ethan Morton stole it, but he dribbled with the wrong hand the whole way. Mm-hmm. He dribbled with the left hand on the right side and then went up for right-handed layup. And he just, you could tell from the beginning, he wasn't going to go in because it yeah. just didn't look smooth and fluid. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. We, we blew a lot of chances, but like I said, where I really thought it was critical is when the kid missed two free throws and yep. all of a sudden we went ahead and yep. and uh, them committing a cheap foul on Fletcher. And you know, I remember earlier in the year, I think it was a Marquette game, which we won by five or six. Fletcher missed like four free throws in the last yes. two minutes. And now that's the guy you want on the line. Right. Him, him or Braden. Maybe Braden. even Zach. Zach's does. I mean, we were 16 for 18 from the line. Yeah. Today. Caleb was good today from the line too. Yeah. So. Caleb, uh, you know, both fan bases seem to think they got robbed on officiating. Well, you would in a close game. And um, if I was a Michigan State fan, I'd probably think, how did Zach Eady pay 36 minutes and not commit a foul? <laughs> he has but, more blocks this year than he does fouls. He does. But uh, there seemed to be several times when first would go up for a rebound. He was getting old. They had, a, they had him arm, like yep. his arm taken. You know, yep. he used to be called, uh, what was that, the uh, – Hold, um, hook and hold, hook and hold. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was one of the more physical games I've seen all year. Um, and we wonder why big, the big 10 teams don't do so well. March madness is because they get so physical with each other. Not only do they beat each other up before the tournament, but also they get accustomed to playing this style ball. And then when it gets in the NCAA tournament, it's ref completely or officiated completely different. Although, uh, um, Last year's tournament, when Purdue lost in the third round, I thought the, uh, their opponent, I hate to say their name, in the third round um, was very physical. St. Peter's. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'll say it. Yeah. You know, and I was up at the game to watch him play Texas the game before. And right. Texas had been my preseason national champion pick. And, you know, uh, they let him play that yep. game. Yep. So, yep. Who knows? Well, well if I'm uh... – if I'm a Tony Khan of AEW or Paul Levesque, uh, a.k.a. Triple H of WWE, I'm scouting some of these Big Ten basketball players because they get the cred be out of them. They might make good professional wrestlers. So This, this is the first Michigan State team I can remember in 15 or 20 years that doesn't have that big, thuggish, power yeah. forward center. Mm-hmm. Um, the number 22, uh, somewhat, but they usually have – Yeah, but he's not um... – I can't even think. I can picture the guys I'm thinking of, but I can't even think of their yeah. names right now. Yeah, they've had them for years. Yeah. And uh, guys that are built like Mason Gillis, except yes. maybe two inches taller. Yes. And uh, aren't necessarily uh, yes. talented, but they're pounders. Yep. Yep. And, and uh, they don't have that this year. They have two extremely good guards. That might be the best guard tandem we'll play in the Big Ten this year. Ohio State's are pretty good, too. Well, they're strong. You're yeah. right. And Penn State just because of Pickett. Yeah. Huchivino's pretty good at IU, too. Yeah, um, if uh, if um, Xavier Johnson and Huchivino uh, uh, were together, they would be, you know, a dynamite yeah. backcourt. Yeah. But Shafino's um, really showing off or showing out now that right. Johnson's hurt. Sure, sure. But uh, no, big win for Purdue nonetheless. Start um, Still tying the best school start in history, 17-1. and one. I believe the 93-94 team got off to an 18-1 start before they dropped the game. So Purdue's got a chance to do that this week. They go on the road up at the barn for Thursday night at Minnesota, then host Maryland Sunday at Mackey Arena. And next week, 
They go up to Ann Arbor to play Michigan and then turn around and host Michigan State again yeah. on Sunday at Mackey Arena. So twice in uh, a little less than two weeks, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, after Thursday, we'll have played five of our eight games <laughs> on the road. Yeah. So that means seven of the last 12 are at Mackey. Yep. And then after we play Michigan, you know, we'll be done with 10 games and, and you only have four road games left. Right. And the road games after that aren't, with the exception of IU, aren't what I'd call the uh, madhouse arenas. Maryland can be if they're good. We'll see, you know, what their record is. Sometimes you catch teams late in the year at their place. Um can be a little lethargic because of the team being maybe, you know, 14 and 11 or whatever. So uh, we'll see. Well, Illinois is up three, a half. And I thought we'd check in on my uh, my co-host, Josh Mutt, see how he's doing on Twitter. This was tweeted at 650. Pretty poorly played first half by at Illini MBB with Hawkins, Shannon, and Danger out with two fouls. Matt Mayer was fantastic, though. Hashtag Illini. Well, good. Matt Mayer's on my uh, Big Ten fantasy team. <laughs> there you and go. So was so, Walker today, by the way. So uh, it looks like Josh could be in for a nerve-wracking one tonight as well. Well, Minnesota now the last three games has lost in overtime, lost to Wisconsin by three at Wisconsin, and beat Ohio State on the yep. road. So that was the one team you thought, okay, you know, that's kind of a breather. But mm. now, no breather. No. Um and speaking of the Big Ten, the rest of the week looks like this. Tomorrow night, only one game in action. It's 8.30. Uh, Penn State at Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a two-point favorite. Who do you like in that one? Uh, I like Penn State if Wall's not playing. Wisconsin is very offensively challenged. They've got maybe four offensive threats, counting one of them being the uh, the freshman from West Noble High School, Connor Asijin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then their point guard with the you know, multicolored hair. Um, uh, Chucky Coburn, Chucky, and then Stephen Crowell, who got abused by Trace Jackson, I guess, the other day. And yeah, uh, yeah, Walls, Walls, their best player. Yep. And I, I think every team in the Big Ten, if you lost your best player, would sure uh, struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wednesday night, we got two games: Ohio State and Nebraska. Must win for the Buckeyes already, well, in my opinion. Four, four game losing streak, and they lost in overtime to Rutgers. They lost. Uh, of course, they stole one from Rock. <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, of course, they lost the two-pointer to Purdue. Northwestern went in there and whooped them. Not whooped them, but beat them a week ago. And then they, they lost. Oh, the Minnesota. Yeah. So I'm sure they thought they'd get two, maybe three of those four. And, and uh, yeah. They're going to be dangerous. I, I think they bounce back and get get it done in Lincoln, though. Is it at the Lincoln? Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, if I'm an Ohio State fan, I'm nervous. Yeah, well, why? Why? I, I think you could play Georgetown right now and be nervous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've lost that many in a row, you just don't know where the team's heads at. This, this Nebraska team plays defense. They do. They've been a little banged up too, and so uh, I doubt if their guys are out. But we'll see. Well, who are you picking? Ohio State, but in a tight one. All right. The other uh, Wednesday night games: Northwestern at Iowa. I'm picking Iowa. That, Iowa and Illinois are the two teams that are coming on like gangbusters. Both started out 0-3. They both won four in a row, I believe. Yes. Uh, it's amazing the good teams, Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State, and I think even Indiana have all had three-game losing streaks in the conference already. Yeah, everybody's beating up on each other. Yeah. Thursday night we have four of them, starting with this is going to be a bruising game. Rutgers at Michigan State. 
Um, I think Rutgers length's going to bother him. I, I, I would. Let's take Michigan it to State them. like fifty-two percent, and Rutgers forty-eight. Rutgers will take it to them physic from a physicality mm-hmm. standpoint too. So I'm going to take Rutgers on the road. I think right. I think they're going to hang right with Purdue for this conference title. If uh, Izzo can kind of uh, embark his uh, talents on the refs, I don't know how he didn't get technical at one point today. But. Absolutely. Matter of fact, well, I, I hate to go back to the game, but we inbounded the ball ten seconds ago and. We're running down the floor. It looks like it's going to be wide open, and, and somehow they – Well, that game – that last minute of that game took 21 minutes. I read that. Yeah. Unbelievable. I think college basketball has got to figure that out. That's yeah. ridiculous. And I'm going to sound like a baby here, especially in the win. No way only 0.4 tenths of a second went off that clock. But, and how do they call it ball out of bounds on Michigan State, review it, they can't overturn it, and, right, it, it, and they just called a jump ball, which we happen to have possession. It's of. just like uh, refereeing and football when you can't tell evidence, you got to call stay what with what you call them field or the court. And yeah, it's just I think big time refs make stuff up on the go sometimes. <laughs> I think so too. The other games, uh, Michigan at Maryland Thursday night. Well, this is a must win for both. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with Michigan, I am too. Uh, Purdue at Minnesota. I'm going to go with Purdue, but I don't think they run away with it. I'm thinking eight, nine points, something like that. I'd say 10 to 12. And then Indiana at Illinois, the late one on Thursday night. That's a big one. I think Illinois, it's going to be a contrasting of styles because Illinois has got athletes all over the place. But I don't know if they have anybody that will really stop Trace Jackson. Uh, This would be a good game if IU wants to win for Hood Shafino to go nuts. Yep. Yep. Saturday, we got three games in the Big Ten, Wisconsin at Northwestern. I'm going to go Northwestern. I'll go Wisconsin just to be different. Iowa at Ohio State. <laughs> a lot of must wins yeah. for these teams. I'm going to go Ohio State, and I don't know why. You know, uh, Iowa's interesting because I would have said Patrick McCaffrey was their second or third best player, and he uh, took a leave of absence because of uh, anxiety issues. Right. And ever since he's left, they've won right. every game. I don't want to say it's addition by subtraction, but I'm going to say it's addition by subtraction. He's a good player, though. I know he is. I know he is. If, if you're going to, you know, choose. I, Just I hope- changes addition where addition in the standpoint that it changes up the way they play. Right. I should say. Not that he's a cancer to the team or anything right. like that. Right. They, they got scorers all over. They, they just can't play defense. It reminds me of Purdue football. You know, you can put some scores <laughs> up, but you can't stop anybody. That's changing. It's the Walters era now, yeah. Dad. Yeah, that's, that's right. Um, I have taken Ohio State as well for some reason. Then Nebraska at Penn State. Penn State. No night games. It's noon, 2 and 2.15 on Saturday. Well, I think the NFL playoffs, they don't want to really compete with them too much. Yeah, because on Sunday you got three games. They're early. You got a noon game, Michigan State at Indiana. So Michigan State's schedule this week was Purdue at home, Rutgers at home, and at Indiana. Wow. <laughs> well, I think Indiana gets that one. Off. I do too. I do too. I think they lose on Thursday and then they win against Michigan State. Michigan State's not the same team without Malik Hall, and we saw that early in the year. So yeah, uh, Maryland at Purdue. I'm hoping Purdue. Well, yeah, we're hoping. I think Purdue gets it done at home. That's one, I think, 12, maybe. Then Minnesota at Michigan. In football, this is for the Little Brown Jug. Yeah, the Little Brown Jug will go up to Michigan. 
I think so too. This might be a get get right week for Michigan. So it's interesting. There are some teams with only one game this week. Oh no, Illinois plays tonight. Never mind. Never mind. Never these mind. three these three game weeks are so huge. You just you just think we got to come out with two of them. You know, yeah. To keep to keep pace. So yep. Yeah, but any other thoughts on the Big Ten so far this season? Um, good cop or freshman. You know, yeah. lucky to have two of them. Ohio State's freshman sense of ball is outstanding. Hood Shafino's very good. Um, yeah, I think it's uh it's a good league. It's funny, you got you got a lot of freshmen and then you got a lot of 60 year guys like Miller yeah. and uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Northwest. And think about Northwestern. Here they are, I think they're 12 and four, 12 and five, something like that. They lost Nance to um, Carolina, Ryan Young to Duke, and then they got Miller Cop playing at IU. Those all three could still be on this Northwestern team. And you would think they'd be better, particularly if they could have Nance, I think. So, um, well, looking at around nationally and kind of in the state of Indiana, uh, Butler is in action tomorrow night. They're 11 and 8. They host Creighton, who's yeah. 10 and 8. Yeah, Creighton, they both need it. Yeah, badly. Um, and then Butler also travels to Connecticut on Sunday. That's a team that's reeling a little bit. Yeah, I kind of like Connecticut in that one, though. Um, and then Notre Dame. Who's really reeling. They're 9-9. Nine nine. They host 5-13 and 13 Florida State tomorrow but, night. But I think Florida State's won three or four ACC games. 5-13? and 13. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. that, didn't, that didn't help. I was going to bring up that Purdue had had good luck on the road against state schools this year, Florida, Penn, Ohio, and now Michigan. Um, but uh, Florida State isn't really helping our resume much. Then Notre Dame hosts 8-10 and 10 Boston College on Saturday. So a chance for Notre Dame to get too much needed wins because they need to get hot if they want to. I thought, I thought Notre Dame would be a, uh, a surprise team. I I thought they'd be a 6-7 seed in the NCAA tournament this year. So, it, uh, so far, no. Yeah, the ACC is interesting because there's a lot of teams with bad records. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you got Louisville's two and sixteen in the basement there. That's just inexcusable at a school like that. Well, there's you know. there's some schools that are traditional superpowers: uh, Louisville, uh, Villanova. I wouldn't put Florida State as a superpower, but they've been a lead eight member four times. I bet in the last decade. Uh, Syracuse. There's some teams that yep. are. Down on their luck. Checking out their uh, Indiana colleges. Uh, Indiana State having a pretty good year. They're tied for second in the Missouri Valley, thirteen and six record right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in that conference, Valparaiso and Evansville not so hot. Uh, Valparaiso seven and twelve, and Evansville's four and fifteen. Right oh, now. yeah. So uh, then Ball State in the MAC. Uh, Ball State second in the MAC right now. They're twelve and five. So Michael Lewis, former Hoosier, doing a pretty good job there. Yeah, you know, if, if Woodson only stays around for another year or so, I'm sure he'll get a serious look. And then the Horizon League, you got Purdue-Fort Wayne's 12-6. and six. Um, They're in sixth place in that conference, but everybody's kind of jumbled. And that's whoever wins that conference tournament's going to get in anyways. So. Same with Ball State, probably. And IUPUI's 3-16. and 16. Yeah, yeah, so, you might have to catch up a, a Purdue-Fort Wayne game. Yeah, they talk them up pretty big on the radio up here, yeah. so. Um, a lot of a lot of good basketball in the state of Indiana. I don't think I'm forgetting any other. I think I just listed all the Division One colleges. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. And there's a ton of good high school players coming up here yep. in the next two or three years. Yep. So, 
Good stuff. Good stuff. Any other thoughts on college basketball around the around the country or anything? No. No. Oh well. Uh, before we get into talking about the uh, playoffs or a Super Wild Card Weekend, as they call it, we do have a game tonight to wrap up Super Wild Card Weekend. The Skip Bayless Special. Oh, you got uh, Dallas Cowboys, his favorite team, against Tom Brady, his favorite athlete of all time. Uh, the Buccaneers are two and a half point underdogs. Who do you like to take it tonight? I I think over 17 games, the Cowboys have proven to be a better team than the Bucs. Neither one would surprise me. I think the Cowboys might have an edge because they played so bad last week that I think they've got the full attention of uh, the coaching staff and stuff. I mean, Dak Prescott was just awful. And uh, the rest of the team, I mean, they dropped a punt. Uh, the punter dropped the ball. Um, you yeah. know, they got ran by Washington. So, and, you know, two games ago, Brady threw three bombs to Mike Evans. They didn't do anything else but threw three bombs. I noticed the Tampa Bay centers playing. Ours. Mm-hmm. Um, I also know Cowboys got their center back and uh, Vanderle- uh, their middle linebacker, Vanderloy. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, they're, they're pumping this up. They think it's going to be one of the most watched Monday night games of all time. Well, this will be the Tanner's book of prediction of the week. About said the J-Mans. Yeah. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will defeat the Dallas Cowboys tonight. Yeah. Well, well it wouldn't shock me. You know, two and a half point spread means it's basically dead even. I think Mike McCarthy needs a win tonight. If he loses, I don't. I think he's out of a job this week. Especially yeah. with Sean Payton out there. Yeah, you know, they haven't had all the complaints this year about time management and stuff. Um We'll get into time management here in a bit. Yeah. But I don't know. Jerry Jones isn't the patient owner. Um, I mean, McCarthy would be a good pickup for somebody else if if that happens. A lot of teams are looking for a coach out there. Yeah. But I just have a weird feeling. I've waited waited for the Buccaneers to click all year. And I I just, in my lifetime, okay, oh, yes, the Cowboys have won some Super Bowls in my lifetime, but I was too small to remember them. I haven't seen them do anything in the playoffs. So I got to see it before I believe it. Yeah. And the uh, J-Man's Book of Prediction Week is brought to you by Like It Is Every Week, Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance Agent Travis Watrain. Travis is a multi-line agent for Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance, specializing in home, auto, life insurance, and renter's insurance. Contact Travis today for a free quote at 219-869-4561. His email is travit.watrain at imfarmbureau.com. I'll be back in one minute if you want to stall. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, while I got that redone, um, I'm going to get into talking about NFL Super Wild Card Weekend, which was fantastic weekend if you're an NFL fan. Um, you know, a fan like myself, my Denver Broncos haven't been in the playoffs since 2015, the second longest drought in the NFL behind the New York Jets. But I always still find myself in front of the TV watching the NFL playoffs and couldn't ask for better games. The worst game was probably the first one. That saw the San Francisco 49ers uh, defeat, host and defeat the Seattle Seahawks. But even that game was tied at half. We saw Seattle have a one-point lead, I believe, going into half in that one. And then uh, San Francisco woke up in the second half, got really creative with their offense, got Debo Samuel involved, got Christian McCaffrey involved. Brock Purdy, what a story. He's most likely going to be the uh, rookie of the year, or he's got to at least be in consideration for the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. He was Mr. Irrelevant which means he was the last pick in the NFL draft out of the seven rounds. Um, San Francisco took him last, and I guarantee you they didn't think 
they might have not even thought they probably didn't even think he was going to make the team, let alone have to start some games for him this year, let alone have to start in the playoffs. But it seems to me like San Francisco has got better with each of their quarterbacks getting hurt. Trey Lance goes down week two. Then Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo comes in, they get better. He goes down and then Brock Purdy has made San Francisco even better. So dad, I was just talking about NFL super wildcard weekend, how great of a weekend it was for NFL fans. As far as good games, I said, even as a Bronco fan, my team has a second longest playoff drought in the NFL behind the jets, but I still find myself in front of the TV watching Mm -hmm. these games and arguably the worst game of the weekend was the first one. Mm-hmm. But even that game was tied at halftime, as we saw Seattle have a one-point lead at half. Then San Francisco really woke up in the second half, Brock Purdy especially, and I was talking about how he's Mr. Relevant. And in my opinion, San Francisco's got better each quarterback injury along the way. Yeah. Brock Purdy, if he would have started about two or three games earlier, might have been rookie of the year on offense. He's uh, he's a real deal. Well, I said he probably won't get it, but he's in consideration probably. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. You know, they got a lot of options. Do mm-hmm. they go with him? Do they go with Trey Lance, who they mortgage a lot of their future for? Do they go with Jimmy Garoppolo? Even though I think that's probably the least likely option of the three. Or do yeah. they make a play for a Tom Brady if he's available and wants to play? If Brock Purdy takes you to the Super Bowl, why in the world would you go get a 46-year-old guy? When They were trying to do it a couple of years ago when Garoppolo took him to the Super Bowl. I get it. But Brock Purdy, to this point, yeah, <laughs> I I think San Francisco is my NFC favorite right now to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, you know Philadelphia is kind of skidded at the end of the year, and I know Jalen Hurts was hurt, but uh, he he didn't even play that great his last game. I know he couldn't; they didn't want to run him or anything. But I'd be really nervous if I was the Eagles about this upcoming opponent too. Yeah, yeah, which will be uh, the New York Giants. We'll talk about the, them in, in a bit, but. San Francisco ended up winning that first game to kick off Super Wild Card Weekend, 41-23. But like I said, it was really close at halftime, even in, well into the third quarter, and then it kind of got busted up. Uh, if you're the Seahawks, do you uh, give Geno Smith a contract extension, or do you let it play out for another year? Um, I'd probably I, give him a two-year deal. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't pay him in that 40s or anything. Not that money's – I could care less what somebody gets paid. He's probably more of a thirty to thirty-five million dollar guy. I'd be cautious. I'd be ca- he has a great year, way better than anybody expected. I'd be cautious mm-hmm. following Seattle because it could be a Case Keenum like situation where Keenum had a great year one year in Minnesota. You know, Denver, even though it was only two year deal, gives him pretty good money, and then he flames out after a year. Yeah, um, that's probably a good. I was thinking more Rich Gannon. He had uh, he was an NFL MVP though for I know. the Oakland Raiders. Well, you know, if Seattle would have went. 14 and three, he'd been MVP too. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, but the Niners will host uh, the divisional round against either the, the winner of tonight's game between the Cowboys and, and the Buccaneers. Which that's the only unfair uh, scheduling quirk by having a Monday night game. San Francisco plays their first game on Saturday. So they get eight full days to prepare for a game where this winner tonight, you know, we'll have six. Right. Right, I, I, I don't the way know. It goes. If you have Monday night, that's what's going to happen. Uh, Manning Cass is even doing one tonight, so yeah. it's going to be good. It'll be good. The other n- game, uh, Saturday, the Saturday night game was a thrilling game. Mm-hmm. So we see the L.A. Chargers get up to a 27-0 lead over the Jacksonville Jaguars, only to choke it away in historic fashion to lose 31-30. to Yeah, 
it, it reminded me a lot of the uh, Colts Chiefs game. hundred percent, hundred percent. The one thing, you know, I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. The one thing I thought he did, he missed a wide open uh, Keenan Allen late in the first half for a touchdown. Yeah, wide open. That might have put the game out. You got yeah. a field goal. Then all of a sudden, um, Trevor Lawrence, who had just a all-time worst first half. I was going to say that was probably the that worst half. And then the, with those seven, then they get the ball. And once it got 27-14, it's open. You know, and you'll talk about it soon. It was almost identical to the Buffalo-Miami game uh, the next day. You know, once things start snowballing, the old nerves tighten up and away you go. I know a friend of the podcast and Rochester uh, 09, class 09 graduate, Jason Smith, and his wife were in attendance. And Jason even got on the news after the game and was pretty fired up, just like Jason Smith would be after the Good after, for him. after the game. So I, I was happy for him. And I was rooting for the Jaguars. I even messaged him early in the game, early in the day and said, please just knock the Chargers out. So yeah. uh, I think they're going to keep Brandon Staley. I think they're going to get rid of some other staff members, maybe some coordinators. But my question is Staley, it wasn't so much his game, game, his time management. It was why did they only run the ball eight times in the second half? Is that right? Yeah, that's what I was scratching my head. I'm like, you got a huge lead. Yeah. You got Austin, Austin Eckler probably, in my opinion, one of the, if not the most underrated player in the whole league. Well, that's Jacksonville's strength, though. They shut down the run, but – um you know, I, I when it was 30 to 20 and uh, they had fourth and three at the 23, I thought, you know, Staley, the, the big criticism people have had of him is he goes for it too often. He's like Dan Campbell. They both go for it all the time, maybe when they shouldn't. He didn't go for it, and then his kicker missed. And uh, uh, there was so many big plays in that game. There was one play where they sacked uh, – Lawrence for a long loss. It was going to be third and 19. And they called Bosa for um, lining up off sides. And, and I guess people who have looked at it said, there's no way he lined up. And that's why he got so upset. And he's, he's got to keep his cool though. He's had a couple moments like that this year. There was, there was a time though. I think the ref um, showed him up a little bit. He was just walking off and I know he was probably cussing Mm -hmm. under his breath. Mm-hmm. Ref followed him the whole way. Yeah. Didn't have to. And and he throws the penalty flag, you know. And then uh later in the game, there was another play where the right tackle jumped soon. They it was didn't a false call. start. Yeah. Yeah. And and then Bosa threw his helmet. That's when he threw his helmet. He went for two instead of one because it was a, from the two to the one, and that ended up costing him the game. Well, I thought it was interesting. And this is just me kind of looking maybe through my orange and blue glasses here. Well, he, throws a, he throws his helmet. Staley picks up his helmet, gives it to him, which I don't know too many coaches that would do that. Then he throws it down again, and Staley doesn't even talk to him. Staley didn't put him back in the game either. But he didn't put it back in the game, but he didn't even go talk to him. So I yeah. thought that was well, interesting. He's, yeah, he's done with him. You know, um, so. That's too bad. I like the Chargers because I like Justin Herbert. They just but find like ways it. to lose. Yeah, they do. They, that's in their culture, and and they're known for not spending a lot of money either. Yeah. So, which you know, I know our our good friend, friend of the podcast, Sean Triver, thinks that, and I agree that the Chargers need to go ahead and get the Herbert extension done and over with. I agree. I think he's earned it, yeah. but I don't know how soon they'll do that with how cheap they normally are. Yeah, I know Staley. Uh, he's what. Nine wins, then ten wins. Yeah, he probably blew him a game or two last year. I know he won a game for him this year by going for fourths and then went for two points at the end of the game. Uh, 
And then he got criticized by some for playing people in a meaningless Me. game. There's like three coaches that did the same thing. It's it's pile on saying or the Chargers. But the- well, I will say the Chargers are always the most injury, one of the most injury bitten teams this year. Yeah. I don't think they were the most, but well, they yeah. were up there. But. If if uh, Peyton gets that, I want him to get another job if if that does come open because it really irritated me that Peyton mentioned on the Cal and Coward show about six weeks ago he'd be interested in that, and so every week. Coward, you know, is trying to run Peyton into. I think that's just BS. If a coach, well, Colin's trying to run Peyton into Denver too, and and he has an interview with them tomorrow. He has an uh, interview with uh, them, Houston, and Carolina this week. How about uh, Arizona? That he was on today. I I don't believe he said Arizona, okay. but he said actually he, he you know uh, Colin kind of poo pooed uh, Houston and yeah and. Um, Peyton did not rule that out at well, all. Well, the reason that's attractive, I know we're getting a little off topic here. The reason that Houston's going to be attractive to candidates, that's going to be a fresh restart. Build it up however you want. Arizona, you're going to get Kyler Murray, but he's out for a majority of next year probably with his knee. Yeah, well, he's, he's, a, he's, he's a, a, he's a head case, case too. I don't know. Denver, you get a decently talented roster, but you don't know what you got with it as far as in your, the quarterback's head. Right. Um, but you got ownership who's going to give you whatever you want. And then um, – Carolina, Carolina, hard telling. Quarterback purgatory. I don't know if they've ever had a top flight quarterback. Jake DeLone was their best oh. in franchise history. And oh, well, Cam Newton. Yeah. Well, yeah. I see. Broncos broke him. I forgot about yeah. him. Yeah. Because uh, I was well, even going back to Kerry Collins, but to... going back to the games. Um. Then yeah, Jaguars historic comeback. Good for that franchise. One thing I even told my fiance is one thing that irks me though sometimes is when a team like the Jaguars or the or the Rays in baseball don't have good attendance throughout the year, even when they're playing well. And then the playoffs, no seats, no seats open. Well, it's like, uh, where was this support all year? Yeah. The reason I was really for the Chargers is I thought they could beat the Chiefs. I don't think the Jaguars can. I don't either. I don't either. We'll get to uh, that. Chiefs are, well, with, with Williams out, um, I don't know if the Chargers could have went deep. That's where the Chiefs are susceptible, the deep ball. And that's why if, if they did happen to play the Bills – if the Bills can get through, you know, then yep. that gets anybody's ball game. Speaking of the Bills, they won 34-31 against the Dolphins in a game a lot of people thought was going to be about a 30-point game, yeah. especially when the Bills got up 17-0. But credit the Dolphins for not quitting, staying in there, getting some turnovers, yeah. Skyler Thompson doing what the Bills would give them. Unfortunately, a lot of those were field goal drives. But uh, I know Josh is – ultimately, all Dolphin fans are disappointed to lose, but I think they got to be pretty proud of the effort they put out there with a third-string quarterback. No, I, I think both teams are happy. You know, I think the Bills are just like, got through that one. And then uh, Dolphins played well. Now, uh, the first interception from Allen, he should have never thrown. The, the second one, he bounced off of uh, Beasley, you know, and that's a pick. And then they right. get the uh, fumble touchdown. But I thought uh, a couple things. I thought the Bills scoring a field goal with only 23 seconds to go in the first half, boom, 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 field goal. And then uh, once they got behind – uh, Josh turned back into Superman, uh, <laughs> like he was in the first quarter. You know, in the second quarter, he was dead. Yeah. So, um, for how good he is, he does have a fumbling interception problem. More, more so, even fumbling, probably. Yeah. He actually fumbled three times in the game. One went out of bounds, and one an offensive lineman got. I don't know if he holds on to it, thinking he's so strong that he can right. plays, but right. Um, you know. Interceptions are so easy. Just look at the stats, and you got two interceptions. You're right. Like I said, the second one was 
You're right. And the first one, Romo was trying to say, well, the, the guy quit running. But even so, it was on the inside. It needed right. to be thrown on the outside. Right. But he also had a 54-yard perfect pass drop by uh, uh, number 10. You know, I thought just when they were starting to falter, I said, momentum's changed, and then he throws this bomb, and they ruled a catch, and they overruled it. And then he threw another one to Diggs that Diggs probably should have had because <laughs> he ended up with almost 380 total yards. Mm-hmm which is 150 more than the Bengals got in their whole game. Yeah. So, yeah. but you're right. If, if he doesn't turn it over, but the Buffalo is not the same Buffalo they were early in the year. They missed no. and they missed Micah Hyde. They, they're going to have to protect the ball better against the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals next week. Yeah. It, it, uh, well, I'll let you go through the process. Here. Mm. Next game was Giants at Vikings. Uh, another good one, but the Giants get to win 31-24. Brian Dable. Great coach. That might have been one of the better coach games I've seen all year. Yeah. Although I I could not believe he didn't make it second and eighteen second and nineteen at one time and then Vikings converted third and nine. But yeah. Daniel Jones was on point. He was good. But his guys were wide open. Yeah. yeah but he ran the ball. The Vikings kind of are who we thought they were all year on this podcast. Yeah. And Kirk Cousins did not play. I know he's taking the wrath for fourth and eight, throwing it four yards. But if you look at that replay over and over, that uh, um, was it Williams on the middle of that line was coming hard. <laughs> yeah, he Either. had really nothing to do. You're throwing it, take a sack, take a sack, you get ridiculed even more. But Kirk, unfortunately, he, he's not going to ever let down the playoff or primetime stuff yeah. until he gets over the hump. And I don't know if he's going to. Yeah, and he, he had the highest quarterback rating of any quarterback in the NFL playoffs yet this weekend. Well, they couldn't they couldn't get Justin Jefferson open, and they, no. he, he couldn't get the ball to him. So, nope. And, Hawk, and, uh, it was a Hawkinson show for them. Yep. But, yep. but kudos to the Giants. I mean, yeah. I don't think a lot of people had them winning, and great season to get to the playoffs. Now they won, and watch out. They could give Philly everything they want. They're division you rivals. You, you know them better than anybody else, so. And uh, they, they pulled out some tricks, too, the old Statue of Liberty. That was pretty cool. Yep. Um, and lastly, um, the uh, Bengals defeated the Ravens 24-17. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting game here that came down right to the wire. Yeah, and I thought Cincinnati uh, was outplayed most of the game. Um, Baltimore and Cincinnati fumbled right before half. They got it down there inside the three, and – you can tell they're a running team. They had no timeouts. They couldn't score a touchdown. And then, obviously, the big play was the <laughs> the quarterback trying to jump over the line from the yard and a half line and getting it knocked out for a 98-yard touchdown. That's a 14-point swing. Uh, See, our Purdue, our Purdue guy there might go away with a block in the back. He Marcus did. Daly. <laughs> yeah. You got to give credit to Mark Andrews. He was busting. He was, he was flying. He wasn't giving up. So. You could tell those two teams do not like each other. That was – that was a no. lot better game than I thought it'd be. No, but Joe Cool comes through when they need to, and uh, yeah, a lot better game than I thought so too. Well, he's missing um, a couple linemen, and you could tell he had to throw the ball in those little eight and ten yard yeah. outs. Um, this would have been a heck of a game for Von Miller coming up. But, yeah, it would have. Um, but man, to try to guard Chase and and Boyd and Higgins. Yeah, yeah, Burrow and Allen actually threw the same amount of interceptions this year, so they're both a little turnover prone. Though. Yeah. It's funny because. Uh, uh, Burroughs seemed to all come in certain games. He had like a four, a three, and a two. And uh, Josh had cut his down the last six or seven games, but he had another two this week. So, yeah. Well, looking ahead to the games, um, 
Who do you like in the Jacksonville Kansas City game? The line right now is eight and a half points in favor of the Chiefs. You have to like Kansas City, but yeah, Jacksonville's got they got nothing to lose. They got nothing to lose, and and they have a pretty good front four. Um, if we'll I'm see. a fan of the AFC South of the Colts, the Texans, or Titans, I'm thinking crud. This team might run the division next five years. They could. You, you never know. You always think that a lot of times. But, yeah. yeah, they got a good young quarterback. And I like their head coach. And their receivers are all good. They're just not what you call burners. Right. I, I couldn't even tell you Jacksonville's tight end, so they need to incorporate him. Whoever they, they usually spend a lot in free agency, so that's something to keep an eye on, too. The cons yeah. shed out the money in free agency. So Yeah. Um, I'm going with the Chief as well, unfortunately. but I think they played earlier in the year. Just like this weekend, every game last weekend was a rematch of a previous game this year. Sure. I think uh, Kansas City won 27-17 the first time around. Giants at Eagles Saturday night. Eagles are seven-and-a-half-point favorite. That's my upset special. I'm taking the G-Man 23-20. I hope you're right. I'm going to take the Eagles just because they're at home and they got rested up. But uh, I hope you're right. Hope well, you're right. Yeah, Daniel Jones' best two games this year, both against Minnesota, who happened to rank 31st in pass defense. Plus, perfect conditions. Yeah, you know, Philly could be a little cold and windy, and maybe they won't be able to throw the ball uh, like they did this last game. But sure. But you know, uh, Hertz and, and um, Jones are a lot alike. It's just Hertz probably a little better. The game I'm looking forward to the most, I think, the Cincinnati Bengals at the Buffalo Bills. Bills are four and a half point favorites. Yeah. It's funny. I, I've got that written down here. Cincinnati's on a nine game winning streak, Buffalo's on eight. But if you look at it, um, Cincinnati's last six wins are all by one score or less. Buffalo's very, very much the same way. Um, in their eight-game stretch, six of them are one-score wins. Neither one have been dominant. But then I also look at Kansas City. In their last 12 games, they've got – or they had 12 games this year that were one score for the whole season. So all three of them are scary, but all three of them are very beatable. So uh, – but I'm going to go with uh, – my heart, and I'm going to go with Buffalo. I think they're going to probably make Hamlin the guy who comes out as the 12th uh, man. That'd be cool. If they can, if can do that. Up. Of course, you don't want to get Josh too excited because so many times <laughs> he gets too excited. He throws. He reminds me so much of Andrew Luck. He throws a little high, <laughs> but uh, he'll come out running the ball. And if those offensive tackles aren't ready for Cincy, it's going to be a good game. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals just to be different. And uh, something about this team I like. I can't quite okay. put my finger on it. They got good weapons. Got good running backs. And for time, um, do you, we'll make this quick. Do you think uh, either the Cowboys or the Buccaneers would beat the Niners? I don't either. I don't either. I think uh, uh, I think they, the Niners already destroyed both of them this year. Or did they yeah. play the Cowboys? I can't recall. Yeah, I know they destroyed Tampa. We got the word association segment. I meant to do this before we started talking playoffs, but I'll hurry up and get through it. With the Cowboys and Buccaneers in action tonight, I give you six former Cowboys, six former Buccaneers. All right. So give me your first thought about each one. Yep. Start with the Cowboys. Tony Romo. Uh, for some reason, America hated him, but he was one of the most clutch regular season quarterbacks. In his playoff history, he was only two and four. Yeah. But. And, and and he's always famous for uh, not his quarterbacking, but for dropping a snap. Snap at Seattle. Yep. But he was darn good. He was. He was. Jason Witten. He's uh he's a living legend. He was good. He always made big plays. Slow as molasses, but good. 
Darren Woodson. Um, yeah, really good player. Um, I don't know what to say about him. <laughs> Troy Aikman. Yeah, he he uh, he was a product of being a quarterback on some excellent teams. He was, he was a good player. I never thought of him as a top five quarterback, but he's got three Super Bowls. You think more highly of him than Skip Bayless does. Um, <laughs> Emmett Smith. Yeah, he's a great one. I I, I never rooted for him because I didn't want him to pass my my hero Walter Payton's records. But uh, all time leading rusher. Uh, you know, the year he set out, Dallas starts zero and two. They put him back in, and they win a Super Bowl. So. Well, I got to complete the trifecta here. Michael Irvin. That guy could play. He was a mouth. <laughs> he could talk, too, still. Yeah. He's one of the few commentators in the NFL right now who don't just rip and berate players. Yeah, he does like, a pretty good job. Like Ryan Clark and yeah. Damian Woody and these guys, even Rob Ninkovich. They always rip somebody, Aaron Rodgers or something. Michael Irvin never rips players. Yep. Yep. Switching to the Buccaneers side, John Lynch. He was a Hall of Famer. That guy could hit. Hit for the Buccaneers and the Broncos, and he's doing a good job as the yeah. Niners GM. Hall of Famer in Missouri, so. Keyshawn Johnson. I could have went with either team for him. Yeah. He's one of those guys that rips people on the media for ESPN yeah. 6 to 10 every day. But he was good. He was he was nowhere near Hall of Fame. Derek Brooks. He was he was really good. He him and Sapp and Lynch formed a power up the middle, you know. Nose guard, middle linebacker, safety. Speaking of Warren Sapp, Warren Sapp. Yeah, he fell in the draft heavy because of some uh, potential oh, marijuana mm-hmm. use, which nowadays would probably get you drafted higher. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was a great one. Brad Johnson. One of the least distinguished quarterbacks ever to win a Super Bowl. The, the only reason I have him on here, I, I got in a rabbit hole on Twitter during my lunch break today. and Brad Johnson is – going viral for uh, trick football shots throwing the football into basketball hoops and different things oh yeah yeah he's got any roots for the buccaneers and the vikings whenever they play yeah he was a viking quarterback too mm-hmm. and redskin mm-hmm. and last but not last and least on this list mike allstock yeah he was my favorite buccaneer <laughs> i figured he well, might I'm be surprised he's not gotten some hall of fame consideration he was a six-time pro bowler Boy, you could still go by YouTube videos and watch him, and you know you could hear the guys in the background. Boom, boom. Yeah. There's a great one out there where Brooks and uh, Sapp are just. It was a tough game. It was like 13 to 10. They had to run out the clock, and they were just yelling at the coach, "Just give it to Mike! Just give it to Mike!" <laughs> and first down, you know, three runs, first down, three runs, first down, and I, he was he was a stud. It's pretty good in college too, wasn't he? Oh yeah, <laughs> on bad teams. Best running back of my lifetime. From on bad teams. So, yeah. And that's going to do it for the Word Association, Association segment, which is brought to you by Performa Print 2 Promo Group. If you're looking for a trustworthy, dependable resource for next trade show, company picnic, or sales meeting 2023, they have over 50 years combined experience in promotional products and commercial print. They strive for a fast and efficient response to all your print needs, so you need to look no further. Let them be your one-source print and promotional company today by giving Barbara Van Weinsberg a call at 574-210-3815. Hit me with that birdie or bogey question again, please. Okay, um, besides Trevor Lawrence and Joe Ferguson, name the other quarterback uh, since the 70 merger who's thrown four interceptions and still won a playoff game. I don't know why I think it's this guy. Eli Manning. It is not Eli. It is Russell Wilson. 
<laughs> wasn't even on my radar. Against Green Bay, this game, you guys are ripping Rodgers a couple weeks ago about not more playoff success. They're up 16 to nothing. Seattle does a fake yeah. field goal and runs it for a touchdown yep. and an onside kick. And yep. then they get the uh, kickoff to start the overtime, and Rodgers goes from 16 to nothing to losing without ever touching the ball. And then Seattle should have won that Super Bowl, and they didn't run the ball. And the rest is also actually threw a fifth one late in that game. They got called back for a penalty. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm I'm now two over par. This is this is off to a great start. It's uh, I can do that on one hole to start a golf round. So. Illinois is up ten with ten minutes. To up go. ten with ten minutes to go. Well, we are off the air on the IC Sports Network. But Dad, before we close, first of all, thank you for filling in for the J Man this week. And second, I want to give you a opportunity to have a bold prediction or two for 2023. Oh. If you have any ready, if not, we, we can wrap things up. But. Uh, Brooks Kepka wins the masters. How's so that, that for bold? That would be like my, I said, the lift golf guy wins the masters. So yeah, we're in agreement there. Let's see if I have anything else. Uh, Georgia three peating. Is that, is that, uh, you're just going down my list. Yeah. Now, well, I had them making the playoff. I don't have them necessarily winning the championship. Yeah, I making the playoff. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't think. Nope, it that's all right. That's all right. I, I, I know. I, I briefly mentioned that to you earlier, so I didn't know if you had anything ready. I, I wanted to give you the opportunity. If you how about, how about this? Somehow, some way, knock on wood, Purdue makes the Final Four this year. Oh, you went there. I'm too afraid to. I'm too afraid to go there. But you're going there. So. Yeah. Well, it sure was fun today. So. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dad, again for filling in for Josh. And thank you to everybody for watching and listening. And hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tan and J Man Show. And with that said, we'll be back uh, same time, same channel next Monday. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks.